Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Sometimes when I'm reading this, I like to put myself in Peter's shoes. You know, the, the church is coming under intense persecution. They're getting it from every single angle, every possible angle. The Jews hate them. The Greeks hate them. The Romans hate them. All of these different cultures, they all hate the Christians. And they're all coming against the Christians. And remember, it's to this audience that Peter's writing. He's writing to people who, within a few short years are possibly going to be dipped into melted wax and then lit as human torches in gardens across the Roman Empire. He's writing to people who are going to be dipped in vats of boiling oil and their skin would fry. He's speaking to people who are going to be crucified. He's speaking to people who are going to be fed to lions and wild beasts in arenas across the Roman Empire, over six million Christians in just a few short years after Peter writes this will lose their life for their faith. Six million, that's a huge number. That's amazing. And he's writing this epistle, he's writing this letter to these people saying in the midst of all of that, we need to submit Last week, in the midst of all of that, we need to find strength in our unity with one another. And we saw last week how when we come together and we're in unity, if we have one heart, we have one mind, that God is pleased and he pours out his spirit and amazing things begin to happen in the midst of the church. You see, it's that same church that was losing their life, their lives daily that God used to start something incredible, so much so that the scripture says in Acts chapter 17, verse six, that those who had turned the world upside down were in their midst. That's how incredibly powerful the early church was. They literally turned the world upside down. They changed the world because of their faith, even in the midst of that intense persecution. This is the same Peter who would write this epistle, even though a few short years from the time he wrote this, he himself, tradition holds, will be crucified. But because he didn't see himself as being fit to be suffering the same kind of death that Jesus suffered hanging upon a cross, he asked to be crucified upside down. So he was crucified upside down. The same Peter writes these words that we're going to read this morning. If you'll pick it up in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 with me. It says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, and they revile your good conduct in Christ, may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And let's pause there just for a second. Again, put yourself in Peter's shoes. He's running for his life from the Jews. 
He's being persecuted by the Romans. And he writes this and he says, who is he who will harm you? His friends are losing their lives. And he says, who can harm you? The scripture says that Satan is stalking us. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to rip you apart limb from limb. The scripture says that he has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to break apart your family. He wants to break apart the foundations of your home. That's what these people were seriously considering as they sought their heart. God, do I believe you enough to follow you? We don't really encounter that same kind of persecution today, do we? It's a lot easier for us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus than it was for them. But these people had a very serious decision to make. When they chose to follow Jesus, they put their life on the line literally. That's faith. And in the midst of that, Peter says, who's the one who's going to destroy you? Who can destroy you? One of my favorite texts in all the scripture, Romans chapter eight, let me read this to you. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I'm persuaded, I am convinced, Paul writes, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, not tribulation, not persecution, not heartache, not famine, not shipwrecks. It doesn't matter what you experience when you are in God's hands, dear believer. In the midst of your suffering, dear believer, you are safe because you are in God's hands and in God's hands the believer is protected. So we begin by looking at the suffering of the believer, but you have to know, believer, you have to know, friend, you have to know, fellow child of God, that when you are in God's hands, you are protected. It doesn't matter what comes your way, you will not be harmed. Notice there, it says that in verse 13, who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? That doesn't mean that you might not have some heartache when you do stupid things. How many of you guys do stupid things? Yeah? A lot of you. Ken, you need to raise both hands next time. Some people do really stupid things, right? Now, he's not talking about that. He's saying, who can harm you when you follow what is good? The word follow means to become an imitator. A mimic, like a mime. That's where we get the word mime from in English, is this word follower in the Greek. And it means to imitate, to follow what someone else is doing, to follow and copy their movements, to follow and copy their words, to follow after them as your life would depend upon it. Paul said this in the book of 1 Corinthians. He says, imitate me, follow me, mimic me, copy me as I copy Jesus. Do you want that same thing for your children, to, to be able to look your children in the eye and say, you follow me as I follow Christ. You imitate me as I imitate Christ. You watch my example. You watch how I follow and my heart is sold out for good. And as I'm sold out for good, you just follow me because I trust that if I'm walking with Christ and you're following me, you'll be walking with Christ. 
It says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. First Peter chapter two, this is what Peter wrote. He said this about Jesus, that Jesus was the one, for, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. That Jesus is our example in suffering. So believer, as you come to the table of suffering, you have to look to Jesus and say, that's my example. That's the one that I'm following after. He's the one that I'm to be imitating, mimicking. I wonder, do our lives look very much like Jesus' life? Or are we living for ourselves? Are we living for our own selfish desires? Jesus, you never read in the scriptures where Jesus even used his ability to perform miracles to make his life easier. He was always giving himself away. He woke up early and went to the top of mountains so that he could have some alone time because people were pressing around him constantly in need and he met those needs. He always met those needs. He gave his life away. His giving led him to the cross as he gave his life in your place. And Peter says, that's your example of how to suffer. Are we suffering like that? Are we suffering like that so that God might be glorified? You see, there's a difference between hurt and harm. And in our bodies, I mean, he's writing to people who are gonna be crucified and boiled and skinned alive, these Terrible, terrible things. And yet he says, you're not going to be harmed. There's a difference between your physical body being hurt and your spirit actually being harmed. Peter's saying you are safe and you are secure and it all depends upon your perspective, my friends. What is your perspective this morning? When you walked in here this morning, what is your heart beating for? What is the desire of your heart Why do you wake up in the morning? What's the reason that you get up in the morning? What is it? Is it your job? Is it to make more money? Is it to follow your favorite sports team? What makes you tick? Because if your perspective is right, if your heart is beating for the right reasons, no one can harm you. You may be hurt, but no one can harm you. This is what Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said in Colossians chapter three, He said, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. If you came here this morning and your heart and your mind are fixed on things of the earth, you can be harmed. You need to be careful because your heart is not in the right place. If you want to be safe from harm, you have to have your mind set on things above. Jesus would say this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and where thieves can break into steal, but you store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where rust can never destroy, where the moths can never eat it up, where thieves can never steal it. And then Jesus said something that is so profound. He says, where your treasure is, it's where your heart will be. Look at the ledger of your checkbook. You'll know where your heart is right away. Where are your bills going? Where is all your money going? In one door and out the other. Where your treasure is, it's where your heart will be. Is it in your hobbies? Is it getting a faster dirt bike? Getting a bigger UTV? Getting a bigger trailer? Getting a bigger house? Then your, your heart's here. Don't try to tell the Lord your heart's in heaven with him. Your heart's here. 
It's your perspective. No one can harm you when your mind is set on things above. Listen to Romans chapter 8. Paul writes this. This is incredible. He says, for to be carnally minded, the word carnal means fleshly. It means of the earth. If your mind is set on things of the earth, it's death. But to be spiritually minded, to have your mind set on things above, that is life and that is peace. My friends, if you're lacking peace in your life, if you're lacking if you're lacking peace and, and serenity and purpose, it's because your mind is set in the wrong place. Jesus said, set your mind on things above. Paul said, set your mind on things above. And I'm telling you this morning, set your mind on things above. And if you do, you cannot be harmed. You will be protected even in the midst of suffering. Not only is the believer protected in the midst of suffering, but the believer is also blessed in the midst of our suffering. And that sounds like an oxymoron. It sounds like opposites, doesn't it? How can you say that you're blessed in the midst of suffering? Look at the church in China. That's how I can say that. Because the church in China is running scared for their lives. Look at the church in the Middle East, in countries like Iran and Iraq, where ISIS is going across the countryside, slaying anyone who will not bow to Allah. And Tell me that they are not blessed, that they are not growing, that they are not strengthened in the midst of that persecution. Read the Bible. Look at Revelation chapter 3 and chapter 4. Read the seven churches that Jesus wrote to. There's a church called Smyrna, which in the Greek means myrrh. It means that it's the spices that were crushed and used in anointing. Crushed. This church was being crushed. But as they were being crushed, God was blessing that church, and it was growing, and it had kept its heart true to God. In the midst of your suffering, church, you can be blessed. Jesus said this, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when they talk evil about you. They did the same thing with the prophets, and they even killed the prophets, but blessed are you just like them because you have a great reward in heaven if you're persecuted like the prophets. There's truth to this, my friends. We have to hold on to the fact that God is going to bless us even in the midst of persecution. We may suffer as believers. Look around our culture. It is becoming increasingly evident that this culture is not friendly to Christians, is it not? We are going to suffer as believers. It's only going to get worse. The scripture says as much. I read an article this last week about Arian Foster, the running back for the Houston Texans, about how he is going to put himself out there now as the spokesperson for atheists all across the country. He's going to be the atheism poster child. That's the direction our culture is going. We're going to be persecuted. It's going to happen. So where is our heart in the midst of this? Listen to what Peter wrote to these people. He says in verse 14, he says, but even, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. The word blessed means to be favored. It means to be rich. It means to be prosperous. Even when you're suffering, you are rich in the eyes of God. He is watching that suffering and he will reward that suffering. But read on. Look at this. It says this. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Now, this text, Peter is quoting Isaiah chapter 8. You can read this later on. But for context, what's happening in Isaiah chapter 8 
is Isaiah has been given a word from God. And the word is, is that an invasion is coming and you are in grave danger. And so he tells his wicked king, Ahaz, he says, do not sign any treaties. Do not make any agreements with any neighboring nations because you need to fear God. Because you need to know that God is the one who will fight for you. And so the agreement comes, the the invitation comes, and Israel in the north, at this time the kingdom was divided, Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Isaiah ministers to Judah. Ahaz is the king of Judah. The king of Israel comes and says, we need to make a treaty with you because the Assyrians are coming. The Syrian king comes and says to Ahaz, we need to make a treaty with you because the Assyrians are coming. The Assyrians were a wicked, detestable people. They were cruel beyond belief. They would skin people alive to torture. They would put hooks through their noses and through their mouths and string them together and parade their captured enemies throughout public squares. They would hang dead bodies on the fence, on the posts of their cities as a warning to not come in. And these are the people that are coming to invade Syria and to invade Israel and to invade Judah. And Isaiah says to Ahaz, do not sign the treaty. This is what he writes. Literally, he says, don't sign the treaty nor be afraid of their threats nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, when you see that word hosts in the scripture, It means armies. The Lord of armies, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Look to God, don't look to man. This looks like it's an impossible situation and this is what happens, my friends, when Ahaz doesn't sign the treaty with Israel and Syria. Now they're threatening to invade Judah. And so not only is Judah on the line with Israel, Assyria, but now Syria and Israel are threatening to invade as well. The situation looked hopeless. The situation looked like there's no possible way this could go right for you. But what does Isaiah say? He says, get your eyes on God. There's always hope. You're not without hope. He says, don't be afraid. That word afraid literally means to be divided. It's the, it's the enemy of faith. You realize that that the word fear is the exact opposite of faith. If you are walking in fear this morning, you are not walking in faith. God wants you to be walking in faith. Listen to what the scripture says, verse 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love because fear involves torment. Any of you feel like you're living a life of torment? Do you feel like you're afraid that you're always running from something and you can't put your finger on what it is? He says there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment and God doesn't want you to be tormented. Perfect love casts out fear. My friends, this morning I want you to hear that God loves you perfectly. And he doesn't expect for you to clean up your life perfectly before you come to him. He loves you just the way you are with all of your sin, with all of your stain, with all of your, 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 your grotesqueness, the way that you came this morning, the baggage that you carried. He loves you that way. And when you come to him and you bring him those things, he'll clean your life up. But he won't love you any more than he does right now this very moment. He loves you perfectly. Perfect love casts out fear 
because fear involves torment and God does not want you to be tormented by anything this morning. He says, don't be afraid of their threats. Don't listen to their threats. And so Peter's quoting this and in context we see that what that is and he's writing this to these first century believers who are going to be persecuted intensely and he says, don't listen. Don't be distracted by their threats. Keep your mind set on heaven. The God of angel armies is in your side. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. You have no reason to fear. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. He says, don't fear man who can destroy the body, but fear God who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. Why do we fear man? We need to fear God. We need to revere God. We need to honor God with that all. And so he says, don't fear man. Don't be troubled. The word troubled, it means to be in turmoil. It means to be shaken. It means to be confused and disturbed and unsettled in your heart. And God doesn't want that for you. First Peter chapter five says that we should cast our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. My friends, you are blessed even in the midst of your persecution. There is always hope. If you feel like you're suffering this morning, we're not suffering religious persecution like the first century Christians were that Peter's writing to. We're not yet, not to that degree. Some places in the world it's happening, but not here. But if you feel like you're suffering in some other way, physically, emotionally, Something's going on in a relationship and it's heavy. It weighs heavily upon you and you're suffering. God sees that. In the midst of that suffering, he wants to bless you. And he wants you to hear this this morning. Just like King Ahaz was told by Isaiah the prophet, there's always hope because God is here. I don't care what it is you're experiencing. There is hope because God is here. I love this. This is my favorite scripture in all of the Bible, Psalm 139. You can read it tonight. But in this scripture, David writes this. He says, how precious are your thoughts towards me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they should be more than all of the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. If we should count God's thoughts towards us, they outnumber the sand on every seashore in all of the world. That's how much God is thinking of you, even in the midst of what you might be suffering this morning. So we need to focus our attention upon the Lord. And that's what Peter says in this next verse, verse 15. And we need to see that in the midst of our suffering, we as believers, we need to get bold about our faith. We need to get serious about sharing our faith with the lost. And he says this in verse 15. He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. The word sanctify means to give honor to, to give God his due, to turn your attention towards, to stop being distracted and be attracted to thoughts of God. Sanctify God in your heart. Give him his throne. Stop being distracted and following all of these different things in life, all of these different avenues. Just focus your attention on God and let him be what sustains you. Sanctify God in your heart and always be ready. The word ready is the word for a fetus that is ready to be born. It's ready to sustain life. It's ready to give life. And so here we see Peter saying, be ready to give life. To give a defense, the word is apologia in the Greek, 
from where we get our word in, in English, apologetics. It's a defense in a courtroom. It's standing up and saying, this is why I believe what I believe. This is why I do what I do. So Peter's saying we need to be ready to give a defense, to give a word in court for the reason, for the hope that is within us. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.